Hello everyone, I'm Jacob Kaufman. And I'm Richard Bimmer. And welcome to episode 9 of Rolling Release, our weekly podcast about the perpetual improvement of Linux. How you doing this week, Richard? Pretty great. Awesome, I'm doing okay as well. It was a really slow news week. Did you notice that? Like, yeah. I was checking throughout the week. Some of the news sites haven't been updated in days. There's just not a lot happening this week. But we tried to find some interesting stuff for you guys. So here's what we found. We're going to jump right in with the news this week. First story, this was like pretty early in the week. Uh, native Linux menus finally have come to brackets as well as some other improvements. And Richard, have you used brackets before? No. I have used it. I actually discovered it uh, just a couple months ago. Some other people found it and showed it to me. And at first I was skeptical because what brackets is, is it's an it's a web development IDE. So it's made for like HTML, CSS, that kind of thing, maybe JavaScript, but mainly like just HTML, CSS. And I already had a, a web IDE. I preferred Aptana before Brackets was around. Have you ever used Aptana? No, I've used PHP Storm mostly for okay. web development. Yeah, well, you, yeah you do a lot more detailed like back-end development. Like, I don't touch PHP unless I'm really deep into stuff. Normally what I'm doing is like just changing HTML until it looks the way I want it to like I kind of said last week. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I used to use Aptana Studio. Now, one of the things about Aptana was that it did not have a live preview. You could launch a website while you're working on an Aptana, but you had to refresh it manually. And my favorite feature of Brackets, um, and Brackets, by the way, it's an open source editor. It is made by Adobe. Um, but my favorite feature about wow. it is actually that it is, it's got a live preview where you can open up a Chromium application or on Windows it's Chrome, on Linux it's Chromium, um, you click live preview, it opens it up and then as you make changes to the code it actually updates it live in the Chrome window. So you can see that's the, pretty cool. It is yeah, pretty I don't think cool. mine has that. Yeah, the changes uh, that you're making, especially with like CSS, it does it when you're changing the CSS as well. Um, and then when you click on different parts it sort of highlights them for a second on the screen so you can see where you're clicking in the code. It's really handy. Um, so yeah, I started using it, and I've been using it. I've actually got it installed here. I'll show in a moment. But um, yeah, a new version is available for download. It is version 1.10. And in the past, now Brackets is an Electron app. That's one of the reasons I was actually skeptical about it, because um, Aptana was a native application. Brackets is an Electron app, which just like Discord or Telegram or Rocket Chat, an Electron app means that this is a web app that you're using. It's just running in its own little Chrome window um, that just doesn't yeah. look like a Chrome window. But um, so yeah, I was skeptical at first. One of the things about uh, about it before was that it was actually using HTML drop-down menus, like it wasn't using native system drop-down menus on Linux at least. Um, but yeah, this latest version 1.10 actually adds native menu support. So I'm actually going to open up brackets right now and show kind of what that looks like. Now in the article on OMG Ubuntu, the um, screenshot they have, funnily enough, is from Ubuntu. And they've actually got at the top um, the Ubuntu menu where it's in Unity, you've got the global menu where your file edit, all those buttons are at the top bar, kind of like Mac OS on uh, Unity. So that you can obviously tell that the menu is integrated. It's the native menu because it's part of the universal menu. Now here on KDE Plasma, um, this actually, this menu doesn't look super different from what it did before when it was not native. Um, the colors are a little bit more like this is the breeze colors and the uh, the font is my system font But aside from that the menu, I mean it's a little bit faster because it's a native menu But yeah, it's got all the same options it did before um, So I wasn't super concerned about the menus in particular before anyway, but yeah, this is what brackets looks like and I can uh, 
kind of put it full screen in my little corner here. And yeah, you can open up like, you know, here's my index.html page. This is just a, a project I made based off a of bootstrap that I'm working on for somebody. Um, well, actually, this is one project that I made based off of bootstrap, and then I'm in the process of adapting that for somebody else's as well. Um, but you can see it's got like all the stuff that I need. Basically, it's got auto indenting. Um, when you open a tag, it automatically closes it for you when you've got you've got CSS files here and yeah I'm not gonna open up this web page right now because that's actually somebody's website I'm working on but yeah when you uh, when you open up the live browser it's a really nice feature how it can show you what you're doing live as you're changing things so yeah if you're looking for a an HTML or CSS editor brackets is available uh, some other improvements in 1.10 by the way in addition to the new native menus it also supports more than 40 different file encodings so they added some new file encodings that supports um, it adds backward and forward navigation in the editor history uh, so you can go back and see your history of what you've been changing and then it also lets users disable any of the default extensions that ships with the live chrome or chromium browser that you get um, so if you want to change any of, of the stuff in your test environment you can do that now the latest version also saves your search history when you're searching within the IDE. It does have inline CSS code hints, um, sort of like IntelliSense, a little bit more intelligent um, prompts for here's maybe what you're trying to type. And then it also fixes a number of bugs. So the entire change log is on the GitHub page, uh, which is on Adobe's account, as you can see. And it fixes all these known issues. You can go take a look at that. The links will be down in the show notes. Any other any thoughts about that, Richard? Um, no, I'm actually kind of interested now in like seeing check this out. Yeah. Since I do a mixture in mine of PHP and HTML, mm -hmm. like I kind of have to have that PHP support. Yeah. Yesterday, like also, does it have any sort of revision history? Revision history. Well, since it's got the the backward forward navigation that they just added I think revision history is one of the features that was kind of added in this version um, I personally don't I haven't used revision history extensively but that is something yeah it added. saved me like so much like, yeah. last night somehow I had like a whole bunch of files selected where I was moving something from a copy of my development to private production and I accidentally like reversed it mm. and like nearly screwed everything up yeah. and it like saved me from like losing three hours of work. So yeah. <laughs> I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. If you were to do that with your, your front end files, it sounds like this backward forward navigation might help you in that situation. But yeah, I would not be looking to edit PHP in this yeah. application. This is really meant to be a front end application. Adobe has other products for, for back end development, right? Like I assume. Don't they have like? But I haven't Dreamweaver used isn't that is that theirs? Yeah, Dream is Dream. Yeah, they yeah. do have Dreamweaver. Yeah, and th that's of why that's not free. Right, it's not free. But like when I first heard about Brackets, I was like, oh, this must just be a light version of Dreamweaver. But it's really not. It's a completely different product, uh, really designed specifically also, for the front end. Does Dreamweaver support Linux? Uh, no, I would assume it, does. it doesn't. But Brackets yeah, does. Most of their normal. I mean, Dreamweaver is proprietary, and Brackets is open source. It's completely yeah. different in a lot of ways, but yeah. Yeah, if anyone is looking to get into, once again, light web development, definitely check that out. And our next story is, we just reported, like, within the past couple of weeks that Debian 9 came out, right? Like, wasn't that just yes. a couple of weeks ago? So 9.1 yeah. is already out. My first episode, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first update of Debian 9, codenamed Stretch, is already out, so you can get 9.1 now. And it's mainly just uh, corrections for security issues. It's got a few adjustments for some other problems. 
Um, but yeah, if you if you have Debian 9 already, you don't need to reinstall. You don't need to do a distro upgrade. Just in, just do your apt get update, apt get upgrade. These are just going to be Debian 9 updates. Um, what the 9.1 means is just that they've gotten to the point where they've said, all right, this is so many updates, we're going to make a new ISO image for this. So if you go to Debian.org now, um, you're going to get an updated installation image so that you don't have to install all of these after you uh, do a fresh install if you get the updated install media. But yeah, they've got a list of the bug fixes and things aside from security that they've got. Um, in the 3D chess package, for instance, they have reduced wasteful CPU consumption. So I, that one caught my eye. It was the very first one on the list. And it's like, wow, I wonder how somebody made a chess game uh, accidentally used too much CPU. But yeah, they've also made an update to apt the package manager. So obviously you're going to want that. Um, the GNOME settings daemon has some new new bug fixes. For instance, it now preserves numlock between sessions by default, so you don't have to turn your numlock on every time you restart your computer. Um, so yeah, and then at the bottom of this page here on the Debian website, they've got all of the security issues that were fixed as well with the security advisory IDs, if you're into that sort of thing. So yeah, it, once again, if you're using Debian 9, just update. And if you're not using Debian 9, then make sure you get the 9.1 media when you download it because it's got some updates you would want to get anyway. Any thoughts on that? I just think it's funny that that was the important part that they put at the top. Yeah. I guess well, it's an alphabetical no, they, yeah, order and starts with three. Right, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's alphabetical. But um, the most important part of your operating system has got to have that. 3D efficient. chess. Yes. Not just chess, it's the 3D chess like, like Windows Vista had. Um, so, yeah. Our next story is another point release. FreeBSD 11.1 has been released, and FreeBSD 11 came out a little while ago, not super long ago, but a while ago. Um, and yeah, point one is out now. It's the second release from the stable slash 11 branch of FreeBSD. It's got updated versions of Clang, LLVM, LLD, LDB, and libc++. So, you know, uh, I always think it's funny that FreeBSD used to use uh, GCC, just like Linux, for compiling things. Now it uses Clang, and it's a, it, it can be a little slower, Richard. If you Do you have experience <laughs> compiling things with Clang? No. It can, it can be a little bit slower, I can tell you, but um, that's what they're doing. By a little, is. you mean a lot, though? Uh, yeah, well, I was also using it on a very old computer, so it's not as big of a difference uh, on okay. modern computers. But on older computers, yes. But uh, yeah, the new uh, FreeBSD 11.1, it's got support for Microsoft Hyper-V Gen 2 virtual machines, so new virtualization options because BSD is big on servers. Um, ZFS now stores compressed data in the cache, which improves cache hit rates and performance if you're using the ZFS file system, uh, which you probably might be interested in if you're using BSD. Um, I mean, even us Linux folks are like dying to get ZFS support in our distros. Yeah. So, so yeah. Really cool. Yeah, so some improvements there. There are some other other improvements. Nothing hugely interesting for the average user, but just general, you know, updates, fixes, just like Debian. Like if you're using FreeBSD 11, just update. Otherwise, you're gonna have an updated ISO. If you want to make a new ISO, um, it's up to you if you want to do that or not. So yeah. Any other thoughts on that one? No, but it sounds pretty cool. I really would like to get ZFS and try that eventually from the kind of features it has. Yeah, well, you can, can't you get an Ubuntu now? Cause I think you can. It's just still not recommended as yeah. your like, boot from what I heard. You don't really want to use it on the boot drive itself because it's not quite as stable. And then if there's like an issue, 
it literally can't boot itself anymore. Yeah. Because it can't even read when the drive is on. Yeah, so um, our next story is... Oh, this one is one of yours. Why don't you take this one? Oh, right. So basically, as the headline basically says, Adobe is finally killing off flesh. And um, I just wanted to go in a little more detail than this headline, obviously. Yeah, okay. Because um, first, this article is based off Adobe's like press release they did today called Flash and the Future of Interactive Content. Basically, Adobe's press release here... Um, Basically, they went into a long thing, how they give themselves credit for kind of influencing the open standards and like giving things and making them mature over the years. And what do you but mean open standards? Did, um, this does include HTML5, WebGL, and, and WebAssembly is what they considered the open standards. Okay. And basically, when they go on, that they worked with some other companies, but here they said specifically we will stop updating and distributing Flash Player at the end of 2020. Yeah. And um, so they're trying to encourage content creators to migrate any existing Flash content over mm -hmm. to these new open formats, which is just weird to have Adobe <laughs> encouraging people to migrate to open formats. But uh -huh. I guess when you make something that you don't want to maintain anymore, I can kind of see it. Yeah. So basically, they are trying to keep support for another full three years, so which is good for people in transition, because obviously there's certain things that still use Flash, and um, they need to be able to keep that. They need to allow people to have some time to transition. Yeah. I mean, I don't think many consumers use it a whole lot. But um, also, just in case people might be confusing this with, like, Flash, the program, because there was the, obviously the original Flash program that a lot of people used to animate. Mm -hmm. They did actually replace that with Animate CC a while back for yeah. their Creative Cloud package. Yeah. And so if you want to use the Flash feature, the features that Flash had to animate, you can still use that in Animate CC. And I imagine you just export that to a different video format that wouldn't be like SWF anymore. Right. So that they're still keeping support for that. That's still one of their big things. Obviously, they kind of built yeah. a lot of their company, I think, on that. So to be clear, and what you're so talking was, about is that there's two different things called Flash. One of them is the Flash yeah. plugin that you use in your web browser that things can use, like games and videos and stuff. The other one is a program that people use for 2D animation. So people can make games in that, but they can also make just videos. Um, so they already had replaced the Adobe Flash creative program with Adobe Animate. What's being discontinued now, what you're saying, is the, the browser plugin that's being discontinued. Yeah, the player itself. Yeah. And going back to the original article, um, they've always had some pretty crappy support for Flash on Linux anyway, so yeah. I, I mean, don't think it's a huge deal. I remember back when they discontinued Flash for Linux years ago. They said, we're not updating Flash for Linux anymore. And then, like, six months later, we're going to start updating Flash for Linux again. Do you remember that? I feel like I do for a while I heard that. Yeah. At the time, I wasn't heavily using Linux quite as much, so it didn't mean as much to me. Yeah. And also, I wasn't even heavily using Flash as much, so it wasn't quite as important. Because I'd already, like, switched, I think, the HTML, like, 5 beta right. player on YouTube at that point. Yeah. Because that was, I think, still in beta at that time. Yeah. But um, also, I guess... Facebook's was kind of a major user with Facebook games, so they're also Facebook has announced today, and there are that not today, but in response to that, Facebook announced that they're going to move Facebook games to from Flash to some open standards as well. That and my I, eye. yeah, because I think Facebook games has a desktop client too, right? Uh, I don't I know, know if it does. I just I look forward to seeing Farmville ported to HTML5. <laughs> like, how is that going to work? Yeah, we'll see. I don't think they actually support the older Farmville anymore, even. But that's interesting. I don't know, but 
seriously though, like talking about games, we always talk about how much Flash sucks and we're talking about video. Now, like you said, YouTube had the HTML5 beta player and there was a long time when YouTube had HTML5 but like Dailymotion still required Flash and then Dailymotion got HTML5 but then live streaming always required Flash and then eventually Beam was the first live streaming website to have HTML5 then Hitbox got it eventually Twitch came along and finally got HTML playback but then like all of that is just video um, do you think that like browser based games are going to go away now that Flash is leaving? Um, I think they can. I think they can survive on HTML5, and I feel like a lot of browser-based games were actually using HTML5 before, hmm. like before a lot of the stuff switched over to it. Because I know there were a lot of small games written you can try in your browser that are just programmed in HTML5, simple ones. Like I'm pretty sure stuff like Agario was written yeah. in HTML5, right? Yeah, that I only was played HTML, it a little yeah. to remember, but. Oh, um, I did. There was a game I played a couple times called Town of Salem. I'm pretty sure that was Flash, but then they also did make a desktop native client. Okay. So I'm not sure. I assume they they probably have switched over from Flash by now. And even if they haven't, they have three years, so it's not yeah a huge issue. And I am happy that at least if Adobe's going to do this, which is a good thing, they need to push for some like more secure standards because Flash has not only been lacking Linux support but just lacking security overall. So it's yeah. good to see that they are giving at least some time for people to adjust. And it's just interesting because I feel like Adobe often doesn't want to let go of the proprietary kind of technologies they develop and have a hold on. Mm -hmm. But they're probably, this is certainly making sense on them and it seems good that they're pushing it. Even if I think they're taking a little more credit than they need to. On, yeah, I mean, to be standards. fair, to be fair to Adobe, 100% fair with them, um, HTML did not play video before Flash played video. Like, Flash made, yeah. flat, like, YouTube started out on Flash. Flash did make a lot of things possible that HTML had to then catch up with. So even if Adobe wasn't the one writing the code, I can see where they're coming from. Like, we pioneered it all because they actually did make video ubiquitous on the internet a lot sooner than html did yeah but uh, i'm just not sure how much they contribute to the standards but i would have to look oh yeah i mean the standards themselves that. for like yeah. technically probably not it's more i i read yeah. i read that as more of a like they kind of prompted of this big picture yeah, yeah like just meta we prompted the ideas made, and then common, somebody yeah they made this commonplace thing yeah but yeah um that'll be really interesting i i really hope that they actually go through with it this time because yeah this isn't the first time they said they're phasing out flash um but yeah it, it, hopefully they'll they'll actually go through with it it'll be interesting to see uh where they go afterwards and yeah now still about games though um like agar was one of the ones you were talking about and they have like that's just ma mainly flat circles it's a really complex thing probably because you've got all these people interacting but um, graphically, it's just flat shapes and then some text. Uh, I don't know what Town of Salem looks like. I've never played that online, like I said. But, like, when you think of online Flash games, like, there are, there are websites, like, Cool Math Games and stuff, like, just full of yeah. nothing but Flash games. Some of those, I don't know. I just, I think it would be difficult to implement some of those, like, with, like, race cars and stuff, like, crazy games with, with kind of graphics that... It'll be really interesting to see how, how people adapt that if, like, Cool Math Games goes all HTML in three years after Flash is disabled, um, or if people But are... WebGL... Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever heard with RuneScape 3 when they were calling it, but RuneScape, like, basically rewrote their entire client, their entire Java client, 
in um, HTML5, and they used WebGL to do full 3D rendering okay. and made like some massive upgrades to it like two or three years ago. Huh. So with WebGL, it definitely is possible. It's just okay. with the standard HTML5 canvas, I'm not sure quite as is possible, but certainly with what people have done in terms of getting like OpenGL ported to the web and getting mm. it to run with JavaScript, which is quite an accomplishment that people have been involved in that. Yeah. I think that's pretty impressive. That's fair. And I think cause a whole new kind of generation. I mean, it would be interesting to see how you could, if that means eventually, if that gets popular, that, like, phones say, like, iOS has never really supported Flash at all. Yeah. If you could then essentially play games in your browser on your phone and how common that would ever be yeah. as opposed to just downloading the app itself. I don't know what the controls would be like that for that because Android used to have <laughs> yeah. Flash as well. Now, Flash for Android was continued a while back, but Android used to have Flash, but it was really weird, like, the controls for it were always just, it was hit or miss if you're able to actually do things or not. Um, and I wonder if, if iOS is going to support WebGL or if they're just going to say, we're not supporting WebGL, use apps yeah. for games. Because that's kind of what they did with Flash. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's fair enough. I have never used, I don't think I've ever used anything with WebGL. If I have, I didn't know it was using WebGL. So uh, maybe that's, that's definitely something that uh, probably opens up a lot more possibilities than I'm aware of. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know what WebAssembly is. That sounds pretty cool. So oh, yeah. I'd like I didn't, to look for it. I didn't know what that was either. But I think that's pretty much all we can milk out of this article. <laughs> I mean, I think it was yeah. It's a very kind of important change. And I think probably Adobe is going to stick with it since they've given themselves this three-year time frame mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of just the last time where they did it with very little announcement and very little leeway. This gives them a good transition time, and it gives, more importantly, the people... A few people. I'm pretty sure it's not a very big group anymore. But the few people still left using it some good transition time as well. Yeah. So I think that's about it for this. And um, basically, the next article was about Valve releasing a new version of SteamOS. Yeah. So we actually covered their SteamOS update that they did two and a half weeks ago, I think, on the show. Mm -hmm. And um, when that came out, and they're actually updating fairly frequently on SteamOS because it's only been two and a half weeks since the previous release. Yeah. And um, they upgraded again the kernel packages. Fix that. Well, that fixed a bug and upgraded the kernel packages back then. We covered it, but um, now again they upgraded things, rebasing them to the upstream upstream Linux 4.11.12. So it's nice that they're keeping pretty much in sync with the kernel itself. Yeah, and, and they're also um, keeping in sync with some, uh, Debian's Jesse security updates yeah. and stuff too. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Yeah, because those were really important. I guess assumes it counts Apache 2, Samba, Bind 9, and Events. I guess I don't know why certain stuff is running Apache two on it, but I guess we, we talked about that last time. Servers and yeah, yeah, and then they also introduced Flatpak being available now, so you can actually get the um, Steam OS, or I guess you can get Steam OS through Flatpak. No, Steam OS. Well, Steam OS yeah. is the distro, or so they have Flatpak support. What, yeah, yeah, it's got Flatpak support. On so what? Steam OS. What this is doing is making it so that right now Steam OS is kind of. You can get other Debian packages, but it's made just for Steam. But then what this is doing is allowing you, if you want to install third-party applications on your Steam machine, now you can use Flatpak to actually install up-to-date, like, completely non-gaming applications um, and use your Steam machine as a computer as well. So Flatpak is now going to be included in the, I guess, core distribution is the idea. Yep. I assume before you could add third-party repositories and have gotten Flatpak that way. Yeah, you probably could have installed Flatpak before because you can install it on Debian. 
but now it's going to be it's, you know, uh, just out of the box. Which yeah, is which handy. is a big thing because you know there's a big difference between having to install Flatpak and then use it, or just finding a guide online that says type in Flatpak install this and then just doing it. You know. Yeah. So that's pretty much everything on that. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, I was going to cover that GNOME's disk utility. They're adding a fair amount of new functions to it. So apparently, this reported on 3.26 and some of the features that it would release in September 13th, on September 13th mm -hmm. as part of it. But um, now there's been some more information, and basically the developer, Kai Luke, I don't know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, but... Uh, basically, it's gonna, they've implemented, or they're planning on, at least working on it, the ability to resize partitions and file systems, as well as check file systems and repair them. I mean, it's pretty cool that you can be able to check the file system itself right from a disk utility, yeah. rather than having to get something else to, say, check your file system. And then um, and just the ability to resize partitions is, I guess, a somewhat probably new. I have not used GNOME disk utility in a while, so I yeah. think that would make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And they also plan to improve NTF, NTFS support and flat or FAT file system resize support as well, which definitely is handy for people like me who have both a Windows hard drive and a um, like drive running Linux in the same system, so you can essentially access both those drives from Linux and like do disk utility functions related to them. Yeah. And it is the versions available for testing today. Also here they had a bunch of things that they mentioned, just a long list. They um, yeah. mentioned the ability to prompt the user to stop running jobs and closing the app. That sounds like a quality of life kind of improvement. Mm. Better support for, um, I guess, probing unmounted mounted drives. Implementation of hints for past race fields. That's another kind of quality of life improvement. And just a few other things that should definitely help your daily experience if you use the if you use it fairly regularly, so yeah. you won't have to get other applications to manage the stuff for you. Now, when you say so quality of life improvement... We're not talking that's going to revolutionize your whole life, the fact that when you X out of, of disk utility, it won't just stop you running jobs or anything. But it's like, what you mean by yeah. that is that um, it's not a big technical change, but it's like a nice feature to have. It yeah. makes it a little bit more polished, which is what the GNOME developers are going for. Yeah, that's what I don't know. That's how I, how I always thought of quality of life improvements, yeah. just those kind of small yeah. little things here and there that make using a program quicker, better, a little more just just better, uh, just a little better in every sense, but not something that's a major support change. Yeah. So. All right. And, and that's about uh, all the news week, right? Yes, that was all the news we had this week. So we'll take a little break, and then in a bit we might talk about SteamOS a little bit more and take a look at it here. All right, let's do our Nerd Club ad. All right. Are you going to just answer no every time? <laughs> when I ask you, because like I, I was trying to do that with like Stephanie, but then she started answering, yes, I've heard about it. And then I was like, oh, what do you know about it? And then she's just like, well, you should tell them, not me. I'm just like, geez, I don't know what you're trying to, what, what act are you trying to pull here? I can't tell where you're going with this, Stephanie. Um, okay, we're about to take a look at Steam OS and see if we can get it installed in VirtualBox. But first, Richard, have you heard about the Nerd Club? Um, yes. <laughs> oh, you have? What have you heard about it, Richard? Um, that it's a subscription service. It is a subscription service. help out with people. Yeah, you can help out you Nerd help on the out. Street specifically. And Nerd on the Street, that's us. We're making videos like this one um, and other videos that we make. And if you go over to nerdclub.nots.co, then you'll get to this Nerd Club page. So if you enjoy our videos, which you can find on whatever channel you're watching this on, 
um, then yeah, you might want to support us a little bit. It takes time and money to make videos. It takes equipment to make videos. Um, you know, we have to put in time to prepare for the videos because we're always so highly educated on the topics we're speaking about on this show specifically. Um, so nerdclub.nods.co, it lets you support us, just give back a little bit. We're not asking for a whole lot. In fact, a Nerd Club subscription, you know how much it is, Richard? Three dollars a month. Three dollars per month. That is like insane pricing. Um, very, very affordable. You can join us through Patreon, and you know Patreon's legit. I hope that the page loads here. You can join through Patreon, and on Patreon, you know it's legitimate because lots of people use Patreon. You can see the goals that we have set for ourselves here, and as you can see, like I said, $3 per month, and you can get all of these cool perks. You can get a special Nerd Club flair on your nerdofthestreet.com account. You can get access to Nerd Club-only channels on our Discord server if you're into Discord. I think Richard is into Discord, right? Yeah. A, a Discord fan, so yeah, I can get a, an awesome channel on our discord server you can get access to full live stream recordings um for instance this live stream richard how much is there happening on this live stream that we're not even showing the edited version like i'm guessing like 50 percent or more at least 50 nah. percent of this week's live yeah. stream we've been streaming for two hours already this episode's probably going to be like an hour long after i edit it you can see everything that we're talking about in between the takes, in between the cuts. You can watch it all on the live stream DVR at nerdofthestreet.com by joining the Nerd Club. Like I said, nerdclub.nots.co. And uh, yeah, you can already get rid of the sidebar and banner ads on our website if you do join the Nerd Club. Now, we are reaching, we're sort of trying to get to a goal. And that goal is not showing up on Patreon right now for whatever reason because Patreon's acting up. But Richard, our goal that we've got is... $100 per month on Patreon. And that sounds like a lot, um, but really, like I said, we're only asking for $3 a month from each individual person. But tell all your friends to join the Nerd Club. Tell your family to join the Nerd Club. And, uh, you know, tell everyone to join the Nerd Club because when we reach $100 per month, we are going to upload all of our videos to nerdonthestreet.com with no ads on them at all. No pre-roll ads, no post-roll ads. You can watch an episode of Displaced and not have to worry about an ad break in the middle. And, um, yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm pretty excited about it. You excited about that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, because nobody likes ads, really. They're a necessary evil, but nobody likes them. So you can join the Nerd Club, help us get rid of them all together. And, uh, yeah, like I said, $3 per month. You can also join prepaid if you don't want a recurring subscription. You know, you can do a six-month membership or a 12-month membership, and it's just the exact same amount of money that you would be paying if you were doing the subscription thing anyway. It's just all at once, so you can do it up front. Uh, you can do that right through nerdofthestreet.com. It's actually powered by Stripe. Uh, that occurred to me that if somebody thought that I had actually written my own payment processing system, they might not want to use that. Um, because, Richard, we actually had people emailing us uh, last, uh, like probably eight or nine months ago, I had a few different emails saying that people wanted to sign up, but they wanted a prepaid option. So then I added the prepaid option. Nobody has used it yet. But you could be the first. You could be the first person ever to sign up for the Nerd Club through the prepaid option, nerdclub.nots.co. That's nerdclub.nots.co. It will bring you right to this page here. Uh, you can click one of those buttons and, yeah, be the first person ever to actually use the button. It'll be amazing. Um, so, yeah, do that. And a big thank you to all of our current Nerd Club members for supporting our content because it really does help us out. All right, and that was a pretty long Nerd Club segment, I guess, but that's okay. We can advertise for ourselves all we want. All right. See how I'm we're doing on this. I'm looking at chat now, but... All right. 
We don't have anything in the official chat. You can check some of the others. I'm gonna get out of the screen sharing Jitsi. May or may not improve. Yeah, it looks like that's speeding up this download a bit. Yeah, because your um, camera feed's kind of blurry on my end. Oh, on Skype? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, this is not the camera. The camera is still over here that is on the stream. Yeah. Like, Casey didn't figure that one out. Because you still have the issue where two apps can't share the camera feed at the same time, right? Yeah. No, that's going to be an issue for a while. That's not changing anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. But one day. I'm sure there are, I think there are programs you can use to get around it, but I've got three cameras or so anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, I had my... Yeah, the, I have two if I count my phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had been... I guess three if I would count my phone. I had been using my, my Lumix, which I've got here, this big camera, um, as my, like, streaming camera, because it's really high quality, and I had been plugging it in via an HDMI capture card to my laptop and using that, but, of course, it's got a not-great battery life for streaming, um... And I've got this, this is like a 1080p, it's a C920 is what this webcam is, so like not the highest end anymore, but basically the highest end. Logitech webcam. And, um, but I had glued it a couple years ago to <laughs> a, I had glued it to a plate, this thing here, and this is the plate for my expensive tripod. I've got a studio tripod as well. Oh, gosh. And this, so this is a big plate, you know, this isn't just one of those cheapo plates. This is like a, a solid plate that goes on this big tripod. It's a big heavy tripod with like a fluid video head so you can turn it and it's smooth. Um, but that thing doesn't fit in this room. So I haven't been using that, but then I had, I had this, I had several plates. So I had glued the webcam to one of them. Um, so that it didn't wobble around when it was on it. Cause it used to before I glued it. Um, so yeah, I decided to finally, I had been keeping it on because um, we used it at Extra Life last year and we we're going to use it at Extra Life again this year, but I decided to go ahead and break the, the webcam glue off of the, the plate <laughs> and it actually was very difficult to get it off because I had super glued it on. Like it wasn't just any glue, Gosh. but it was... And uh, it's had a year to solidify. <laughs> which, yeah, at least a year. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like this still has glue resin on it. I tried cleaning it up a bit, but... Uh, but yeah, got it off. So alcohol wouldn't work. I Probably well, the alcohol. only thing I haven't, I'm sure that would work. I tried a lens wipe with like alcoholic solution already in it. Um, I'm sure if I got something more wet than that, then it would work a little better. But it's not no harm right now, and I'm still obviously will be yeah. using the other plates for other stuff. But we're we're not gonna put that camera on the uh, that tripod again for extra life this year anyway because. It was way blown out because this camera can't handle really bright lighting. Yeah, my webcam actually seemed to be doing better when I put the bright lighting in the room up. Yeah, no. Although I imagine they don't get as bright as the spotlights that you might have. But. Yeah, no, we were on a stage last year, and it was funny because our the person who was behind the scenes at Extra Life last year, like he knew that this webcam wouldn't hold up to that light, so he had it dimmed. And then I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, I have the lights dimmed for the camera. And I'm like, no. You gotta turn those lights up. We're gonna be here for 25 hours. People are gonna fall asleep if you have the lights dimmed. So he turned the lights way up. And then if you watch the extra life recording, you can barely see our faces whenever we're on the main stage camera. Um, so next year we're gonna use the studio camera for that, and then this will be somewhere else. Yeah. 
It's pretty funny. So you just like overexposed it completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, we had we had secondary cameras as well. So the secondary cameras looked fine because they were like there was this nine hundred dollar one. There was like a like we were borrowing one from the Vinny we were in too. So that one was really high quality, even though it was interlaced, so it had lines all the time. But um, but yeah, those looked fine lighting wise. But this one, the the C nine twenty did not. I could have downloaded FreeBSD by now. It's a bit smaller than SteamOS, although I would not be able to get it working. Have you tried it or? Uh oh yeah, oh yeah, I've tried it. Here, let me. Where's my uh? Oh, I don't know where it's at. I've got a FreeBSD disc that is my cup holder. Um, <laughs> because that's what I think of FreeBSD. I I have a video called a FreeBSD adventure from a few years ago on the on YouTube. I got flamed so hard on that thing because I didn't know what I was doing with FreeBSD and I was like using Linux terminology, but like when you go to FreeBSD, that's incorrect terminology. So people were like yelling at me in the comments. And I'm like, I, guys, I didn't, I didn't say I was an expert. I couldn't get it working. Um, I believe I actually watched that video, yeah. but I didn't read the comments. So yeah. I was probably no, people, saving People got angry about that <laughs> one, yeah. It's one, and I, have, I have not taken it down, but um, people have gotten angry about it. I don't use that cup holder. Yeah, you might have gotten some subscribers from it. I might have, yeah. Uh, this desk is too nice for me to use the cup holder right now. I had it back at the studio I used to be in, but once this desk is a bit older, I'll start using that cup holder again. Still downloading SteamOS. Yeah, I really got to get that wired. I, I pulled the wire halfway through the house this, this week, so then I just have <laughs> to... You cable? Yeah. <laughs> It's got it's it's halfway through the basement ceiling downstairs. So I gotta finish it up. In the router video, you should have like way faster than it once you do that though. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though, is I should already be getting pretty fast over Wi-Fi. Like something was up after I moved my my laptop, and I don't know if it's because it's closer to the concrete wall, but it's still the same wall it was behind before, and it is closer to the router now. Yeah. Wi-Fi is just finicky and frustrating. Cause like it's weird. Sometimes I'll get, I'll be in the same room, while with one on my laptop, I get way better Wi-Fi speeds than I do on my phone. And I know it's like not a, it's probably like the antenna like strength. I don't know, cause like they'll have yeah. completely different signal strength on them, even though I'm in the same spot with both of them. So I don't know. Yeah, my phone signal is fine right now. I also don't have the network manager applet showing, so I can't even see what speed I'm actually getting. Um, fast.com other than upload doesn't it doesn't show you upload but it's a really quick test for yeah download. that's the one that Netflix owns right yeah yeah you can also go to slow.com I don't want to do that it's another domain name. oh is it I don't want to do that right now while we're on stream but I, like I don't know how how much I'm actually using right now is what I could see if I had the network manager applet but I, I keep having to connect to the internet via the terminal every time I restart my computer and then <laughs> I'm like oh man I have to install network manager but then I can't because I'm not connected to the internet. So then I go through the work of connecting to the internet, and then I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, do I? And then I'm I'm about to install Network Manager, but then I remember I actually got on my computer to do something else. So then I go and just forget about it. But yeah, yeah I don't restart my computer much, so I end up like staying on yeah. Windows a lot or staying. So once I, so I don't switch back and forth. Right. Once I connect to the internet, then I just forget I don't have Network Manager until I want the speed indicator. That needs to be my goal this week, is to finally upgrade from 1504. <laughs> yeah. And probably just, just ditch the Ubuntu mate process. What are you going to? I don't know. I've heard Manjara. Is that what it's called? Mm. 
This is the Linux one, the, or not the Linux, the Arch, the Arch one that has it like built Jara. Built what? what that has it like a unique desktop environment, right? No. Trying to look it doesn't it. have a unique desktop. Manjaro is a, an Arch derivative. Um, I believe it's made, it, it has a KDE implementation. It's got, it's got oh, Plasma, okay. I think. Let me see. Well, here. I, was, I want one of the ones that's like the um, tile. One where, like, it's a really simple window. window Seriously, game. dude, you're. I want to try. You're gonna become one of those, those cool kids with a tiling window manager. I gotta learn all the. Yeah, Manjaro comes with Plasma for though. sure. Um, now Manjaro is based on Arch, so you can get all right. You can get it with XFCE, KDE, GNOME. Um, that's it. Well, I probably actually want to get the rolling release in general, and then having yeah. Having the benefits arch without having to configure everything myself might be a benefit. Right. Now, Antergos is what I personally have used for arch uh, with easy setup because Antergos is an easy setup, but then it uses the arch repositories. Manjaro has its own repositories, and their updates are a little oh. bit delayed because the Manjaro people actually like test things, whereas the Antergos people, it's just arch. Um, oh, okay. So you're not really on bleeding edge, then, are you? <clears throat> you're close well, to it, so you're like a fine. Even or... on Arch, I mean, there is a testing repo for Arch technically, but on Manjaro, you, there it's uh, it can vary for different packages, but you're generally yeah a week or two behind regular Arch or Antergos. Um, the thing is though, you don't always have to update if everything's working fine and you like you're in the middle of something. Like, don't update until you're done with this project. Like, I never update in the middle of an edit, you know. Um, yeah. What does like I don't Antergos... have to relearn Caden live while editing right. a video. Yeah, or like I don't want to update the project file and have it change. Oh does, yeah. Uh... So Antergos lets you install from six different desktops. What are they? I like that slogan. Your Linux always fresh, never frozen. <laughs> yeah. Where is? I don't know. So does it include KDE Plasma by default, or? Uh, you can get it through the Antigos installer. Now let me Antigos desktop, because it's got you choose during your installer. It like asks which one you oh, want to install. Okay. Which when you're installing regular Arch, it's just as easy because you just type you know Pacman install whatever you want. But um, all right, Cinnamon. That's and you know Antigos used to be called Cinarch because originally it was just Arch with Cinnamon, which was Linux Mint's desktop environment. So apparently Jip, um, Jipperines helped them out, special thanks to Jipperines. Who? Jipperines, they're the people who make PHP, Storm, and IntelliJ ID and stuff. What about them? Um, they're behind Antrigos. Oh, really? So there's a special thanks to them. So I assume like they maybe gave them, allowed them to use software, their software for the open source project. Yeah. I don't know where a freaking list is of, uh... oh, it's probably on the front page. No. What's the easiest way to back up, like, to compress my entire home folder so I can keep everything in my home folder when I move? Um, well, what you should probably do is... I mean, do you have an external hard drive or something? Um, or a flash drive I could use, too, okay. but I just wanted what to you compress should, it. You so should I have a 32 definitely flash drive, so. don't just copy slash home slash Richard. You want to you want to actually copy like your desktop folder, your documents folder, like those individual folders, and leave everything else because there are hidden configuration files in your home folder that you do not want to switch between different distros. Cause it'll it'll cause all kinds of problems. Oh, yeah. If you keep the same config with different versions of things. 
So what if I just like have the hey Raviolin's here? Control H to switch between hidden and not. Hi Raviolin. Oh, awesome. Good to see you. You missed all the news, Raviolin, but we are downloading SteamOS right now. We're gonna take a look at it as soon as it gets done downloading. Have you heard about the uh, Bitcoin fork, Raviolin? We need to be educated on it. <laughs> yeah, we do need to be educated on it. I was seriously, I was, I was hoping you knew something about it because I've been reading about it. I own. Uh, zero, 0.004 Bitcoin, and it was ten dollars when I bought it. The maximum it ever got to was about eleven dollars, and then it like it crashed down to seven dollars once. It's back up to about ten and a half dollars now. Um, no, not Ethereum. It's Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin is actually being forked, and my the person who I bought my Bitcoin through sent me an email telling me about it. Is how I found out, and they were like, "Just so you know, our company is not endorsing this fork. We're just sticking with plain Bitcoin." But then. Um, if so you, there's a new version of Bitcoin that's being forked? Yeah, like what they're doing, they're increasing the block size from 1 megabyte to 8 megabytes, which is supposedly going to make transactions a lot faster. And they're also, there's something else too that has to do with um, some security thing with making sure everything is reviewed by other computers that happens. I forget what it's called, like Segwin or something, but... Um, Segwit, apparently. Yeah. That's the one. I'm just we're skimming through an article right now. But if you own Bitcoin, once they fork into Bitcoin Cash, like you'll own that same amount on Bitcoin Cash because Bitcoin has a ledger, which is like it says all of the transactions that have happened, which also includes how much Bitcoin everybody has. Bitcoin Cash is the first yeah. fork that's going to keep that ledger. They're making a copy of it. So if you own Bitcoin right now, you're going to have a separate. Like, you'll own the same amount of Bitcoin Cash. Now, what I don't understand is, is that the same wallet? Or is that a different wallet? How do you get to your Bitcoin Cash if it's Bitcoin? Or how do you yeah. choose which one you're going to go with? At this point, I think I've, um, I'm really doing Bitcoin wrong right now. I'm doing it completely incorrectly because I bought my Bitcoin through Coinbase. And they... I have it stored in their hosted wallet right now because I don't want to have to worry about backing up my Bitcoin wallet when I reinstall my operating system uh, when I've only got $10 in it. But that actually takes away a lot of the point of a cryptocurrency having it in somebody else's yeah. control. Like the whole point is you're supposed to have the wallet yourself. I'm just, I bought the $10 just to, you know, have a little fun. I'm invested now, but I'm not going to buy any more than that because I'll don't want to lose all my money or anything. But um, yeah, I mean, when I. First started like looking into Bitcoin, it was like five hundred, and now it's like twenty seven hundred. Yeah, so, like, it's like if you had bought, bought in a in, lot, and yeah. Have... But then the other. I thing mean, originally is... it was a few dollars. Right, and it's like actually man, it was like less than two cents. I I we could have been rich, Richard. We could have been rich <laughs> yeah. on Bitcoin. We missed an amazing. The thing is like, though, opportunity is we also could have put all of our money into it, and it could have crashed. So you never know which way it's gonna go, and. Uh, so yeah, it's it's risky, and that's why I only bought the ten dollars just for fun. But yeah, my Bitcoin yeah, providers, I mean, the huh? The whole thing with Bitcoin and a Bitcoin wallet is it's completely anonymous if you actually have a regular Bitcoin wallet. If you have, whereas your if own you do it through Coinbase, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whereas if you do it through Coinbase, they get to have your name and all right, and yeah, copy of your license if you buy or sell stuff. Yeah. Um, so, but. The, but then on the other hand, I don't have to worry about backing up my wallet every time I reinstall my operating <laughs> system. But um, no, if I was actually going to buy serious amounts of Bitcoin, I would have it on my own my own computer. And I was actually mining Litecoin for a while, for like a month. 
and I ended up making like point zero zero two cents. So that wasn't <laughs> worth it. But but yeah, but I my yeah, point was unfortunately it's really hard to mine Coinbase, anything anymore. Coinbase cause... emailed me and said if you want to have Bitcoin Cash, you better withdraw it from your account with us before like three days before the fork happens because we're locking all of our accounts during this fork and we're not doing Bitcoin Cash. So like at this point, I don't think I could sell my Bitcoin or like transfer it out if I wanted to from Coinbase. I think they have initiated the lock already and it's locked until after the fork happens on August So is 1st. anyone actually staying is anyone actually staying with Bitcoin like for other than Coinbase? Oh yeah. Yeah, like most people. But cuz like by default, you know, it's you're going to have like people have Bitcoin will continue to have Bitcoin. It's a big mess, but I I see the only thing I understood while reading about it was the increased block size. Like going from one megabyte to eight megabytes. And even that, I don't get how that really, like I don't get the why that helps, but I, I can see it, that it helps. Well, it would improve, would improve security, I don't know. No, it would improve the speed of transactions being placed and confirmed. Because what was happening was the block size was too small. So, so many people were making so many transactions that it was overloading the Bitcoin network. And then... Like, people would try and make a transaction and not receive confirmation for days that it had actually gone through. Oh. So then the 8 megabyte thing, it now you're going to have instant transactions. Uh, the security... Until eventually the, that fills up. This, well, yeah. The SegWit thing was the security part of it. But that... Oh, okay. Right, but once again, I shouldn't be speaking about it because I have a very loose grasp on all of it. Yeah, Ethereum. I mean, was I don't weird. understand. Go ahead. The way the network works, if you have majority of the computing power on the network, you essentially control it, right? Yeah, uh, but nobody has the majority, do they? I don't think so, but you could. I mean, that seems like I, I'm sure, and maybe that's what they're trying to do a workaround for, because that would be if someone ever somehow, especially just like you know how Tor, if you get. At both the endpoint and the no and the entry oh, yeah. point, you can pretty much figure out what people are doing. So, I mean, that's kind of the fear I would think with an anonymous kind of cryptocurrency. As soon as someone gets that level of control, just like if someone got that level of control in Tor, then they could have a massive control of the network itself. Right. I mean, with Bitcoin, there's pretty much guaranteed competition there, though, because if you've got the computing power on the network, that is mining, right? And so I think every like when you mine Bitcoin, you are processing transactions that are happening right now, from my understanding. So everyone wants in like the only way that one person could get a majority of power is if like the other majority just said, oh, I don't care about money anymore. And then whoever's <laughs> left over is going to end up with a majority. But yeah, Ethereum was weird because like last year I had looked into Bitcoin and Litecoin. I was mining Litecoin. There was like Dogecoin, all these other coins. And then, yeah. and then this year I looked into Bitcoin again, and then yeah, Ethereum, which which Rabiolan threw out in the chat, like I was I just saw that mixed in. It was like Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, the big three. It's like where did Ethereum come from? This is new. I don't know this. Yeah. Also, the fact that it's just like the people who are actually mining 
have like so many insane setups now yeah. that those yeah. are like an individual you really can't compete with them anymore. And that was why I was doing Litecoin and not Bitcoin, because Litecoin is the silver of cryptocurrencies if Bitcoin is the gold. So like the whole point of Litecoin, you can buy yeah. a Litecoin, an entire Litecoin for like, right now it's 40 bucks. Now last year they were 30 or 20, so I should have bought like 10 last year and made money, but once again, <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to increase. It could have decreased. Even We could have made a bunch of money even just that crash that happened last week when the news was announced about it forking. There was a big Bitcoin crash, like I said, like a 30% crash. And then it, it skyrocketed right after that, though. So then yeah. if, if I... If, I mean, that's back to 2700 so... Yeah, if we had bought in just a bunch when it had crashed for that little bit, when it dipped, then, uh, yeah, you, but there's no way to predict the future. I guess we just need a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> that's really the problem here is that we don't have a time machine otherwise cryptocurrencies would be much more viable for me personally <laughs> yeah first you have to get rich then you get rich to build a time machine and you use the time machine to get rich again it's a paradox <laughs> somebody needs to subsidize the time machine and then I'll pay him back after I get rich <sighs> Steamo is still downloading I can see the progress bar moving so well that's a good sign <laughs> at least you know your browser hasn't frozen did you ever answer Randy's question last week? No, regarding what? Um, Vim or Emacs? In a world where space oh, doesn't it. exist. In a world where... Let me go check this question. And I answered for you, Nano. But then Richard or Random Dude said, No, I asked Richard, not you. Yeah, I would probably have to go with Nano. <laughs> so I, yeah. like, I've used Vim like five times. And I still like I was in the Unix user group club at my like at my college. Yeah. And they had to show me the first time I was in Vim how to get out. <laughs> yeah. The, um, we, there's this comic called the Commit Strip on Twitter. They post like them on Twitter and they're hilarious. There was one like all these people stuck in Vim and they can't figure out how to get out. Yeah, the uh, I was doing a race at school with Mark we were racing to install Arch Linux. And this was when he had not used Linux at all. And I was just, let's race installing Arch Linux. Now, when we got to selecting your mirrors, he asked, how do I select my mirror? I told him to use V. And then he got stuck in V. I used Nano. And then I'm installing while he's still stuck in the text editor. I felt kind of mean for that one. Yeah, I think I finally figured it out. Like, And I think I would know how it would be. It's like Colvin Q, right? It's just a pain. Yeah. But yeah, here's the commit strip one. If I can send it over. Oh, uh, that's freaking electron Skype doesn't let you. Oh, okay. You can't send a message through Skype. Hey. Uh, where where do I see it? Help. It should be. Um, no, click the little enter. Click the arrow at the top right. You know what I don't like? Two. Arrow at the top right. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's why it took me a long time to figure out. How but hey, at least it's got video calling. You know what I, I screen sharing. You know what like, I don't just like. That in general. On my system, I've got Telegram installed, Telegram desktop, and whenever I get a Discord notification, if I click it, it opens up Telegram. If I get a Rocket Chat notification, I click it, it opens up Telegram. I just got that Skype <laughs> notification, I clicked it, it opened up Telegram. Telegram has taken. I, there was a period of time where I've got a hot corner where if I open up the hot corner, it opens up all these virtual desktops. I've got a grid of nine virtual desktops. And one time it broke, so when I tried to use the hot corner, it just opened up Telegram. I'm like, how does this keep happening? Telegram has just, like, hooked into my system. I don't know how that's possible, but it's just taken over. Uninstall Telegram. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll probably go with Andrew Ghost then when I reinstall yeah. it. I mean, I don't mean to dissuade you from Manjaro. I'd love to hear someone's first-hand take on it. I've just never used it myself. Um, but I prefer, to, like, if I'm going to try something that's an arch derivative, I want to try arch kind of with bleeding edge first and see. Yeah. And then it's, like, driving me nuts because everything's updating too fast. Yeah. But ultimately, like what you're saying, I don't have to take updates if I don't right. need if I don't want to. And, I mean, that's, like, the benefit over it over the whole discussion with, with Snap packages last time. Right. You don't have to update exactly. until you want to. Exactly. And Wait. you can choose which packages you update. Well, I never have to worry about here's, your in the system that I was in here. You remember how I said Arch isn't actually about control. It's about simplicity. Yeah. Partial upgrades actually are not supported on Arch. Now, you can do it, oh. but it's not a supported function. You have to reinstall the packages you want updated if you want to actually just update some of them. When you, there's no like update this command. You can install this and it'll reinstall the newer version, but like just the update command, it's pacman-syu and it will update all of them. Now it'll ask you, do you want to do this yes or no? But um, but yeah, it's, it's not actually supported. Now like- you so like the software updater in Ubuntu and right. you just check what you want to do and what you don't. Yeah. But I guess there's no, there's no real feature for that in this. No, I mean, um, like I said, if you want to just update one thing, just type the command to install it, it'll reinstall, it'll get the newer version, but, but yeah, Manjaro tends to release updates in, like, waves, so, like, every month they'll have a wave of updates, whereas Arch is literally just whenever the developer updates it. Now, the AUR, you do install, you update everything manually. Now, if you use Antergos, I don't know if it still comes with the same thing it used to. Antergos used to come with a program called... Um, Pac-Man XG, I think it was, and that was a, a, uh, it definitely still comes with some graphical package manager that should have AUR support, because AUR packages are more complicated to install than regular packages, you can figure it out, it's not that hard, but, um, if you've got a package manager, a graphical package manager, then it, it doesn't even look any different than installing a regular package. Um, but I think, uh, okay. I think Pac-Man XG was discontinued though, so they may have changed it out with something else in Antergos. Um, yeah. Still downloading. I had it's something not I was going to say and then I forgot it. You, you know that this <laughs> oh, is... Oh yeah, the... well basically... Go ahead. I've only used Ubuntu basically like in their derivatives at all, so in the past. So yeah. basically I, it'll take me a while to get used to not doing apt get like in that as the package manager just moving to another one like that would be it's gonna be a big move probably for me yeah i mean i started on fedora so i started with yum but every now and then i'd still type app to get and i'm like what am i doing <laughs> like how steam os's site like it has the install steam at the top thing yeah now yeah what i was about to say this might not even work in virtualbox do you know is this like is there a thing that blocks it from virtualbox I don't know. We should have. We should probably look into that. Yeah, about. I guess no, it's that not takes that you to about Steam. <laughs> yeah. Um, how to install SteamOS in VirtualBox? Prep work. All right. Here's just a tutorial on installing VirtualBox on Windows. Glad somebody <laughs> needed that. What is all of this? You'll need to select recovery mode. Alright, either somebody made this tutorial, either somebody made this tutorial that makes installing SteamOS way harder than it needs to be, just to scare people off, or you actually can't do it in VirtualBox. 
It's definitely not easy to install SteamOS in VirtualBox. Valve clearly didn't intend for you to do this. According to <laughs> ExtremeTech.com. Shell prompt. So I hope this is old and not accurate anymore. Well, I found an updated one, but it has something similar. Click the start button to boot. It will show a screenshot like this. So I think the part of the problem is that it's made for UEFI. Does VirtualBox not support emulating UEFI? I think it does partially, but clearly something's not, not fully. there. I mean, there's a reason all these extra steps are here. Um, is it that hard to install it on a physical machine, too? I would hope not. I don't, I don't Though know. the whole point of it was, like, making it... They were trying to make it so that it had, like, easy... Kind of an easy setup for Linux to people to play games. And they make it that hard, makes no sense. We If we don't have a, a second segment, then I can't do the Nerd Club ad. And if I don't do the Nerd Club ad, what's even the point? <laughs> what was the point of this whole video, Richard, if we don't do the ad? We could switch it to talking about Bitcoin. You could just cut it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can switch it to talking about how we don't know what's going on with Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a great segment to have. <clears throat> you could put the Nerd Club ad just, at the very beginning. We can, we'll tell people every dollar they put into the Nerd Club this month will be invested in Bitcoin. And then after the split, we'll see if it goes up or down. It is fun to just open up and see, like, where are we at right now with Bitcoin? Oh, it's been going down. But my balance right now, see, I've got $10.76 in Bitcoin. I That's a 76-cent gain over when I first put it in a couple weeks ago. I have $3.06 in Bitcoin. That was the last bit I had from mining. Oh, yeah? That I did withdraw. You mined that much? That must have been a while ago. I mined $30 worth, but I spent, like, a $50 thing online, so. How long ago was that? Because I was a cloud miner, it was like a oh, year, was a cloud two, and a half or something. I started. So that wasn't what that what you didn't have a physical machine mining. No. Okay. I didn't want to use my like physical computer because my graphics card is pretty old. Right. It's like the GTX 650. I was doing CPU mining for Litecoin. Was not. Very I have productive. no idea what Alexa's saying currently. <laughs> you got an Amazon Echo in your home? Yes, yeah, and wow. it heard me say. And I switched the uh, word to C-O-M-P-U-T-E-R, so oh, <laughs> now it triggers randomly. That's interesting. So I can say Alexa and I have to worry, but... There was another story I, I we completely forgot, or it was I was going to look into it for possibly a feature. We need to take a look at Mycroft one of these weeks. Oh, yeah, I saw that like a month ago. They, I saw it on Linux Action Show a long time ago, but it's finally getting to the point where they're releasing things, so... I definitely there's a plasma widget for it. I want to install that. The thing is, you need like your own. You need to set up a Minecraft server, and then a Minecraft client, and you can do it on the same machine. But then, yeah, I want to check that out. That's cool. And then all your devices would be running off the same right intelligent kind of assistant that you run, rather than say going recording giving all the data to Amazon or to Microsoft or yeah to Google or Apple. Man, I was so disappointed about the Dailymotion update. Did you see that? That was crap. No. They were hyping that for months. Oh, Dailymotion's rebranding. Dailymotion. It's the new experience. We're making, we're, we're making a comeback. We're going to clean ourselves up. We're cleaning up our act. It's not going to be an ad riddled mess. Oh my gosh, it literally freaking looks like YouTube with the what to watch and the following thing at the top. <laughs> Did they? What, what are you talking about? Did they actually change something now? Cause, like, Dailymotion.com. Last time I checked, that it was the exact... Yeah, it's com. Let me see here. Oh, they actually finally updated it. No, they said they were doing it on the 26th. 
and then they didn't. I was so disappointed. Now, here's the thing, though. If we go to dailymotion.com slash nerd in the street, it, no, it's the same. Look at that. <laughs> go to dailymotion.com slash nerd in the street. That looks the same as it did before. It's just the front page and the app is the main thing they updated. It was just the app. Wow. But, like, the channel That's pages lame. look the exact same. If you click on a video, the player page is the exact same. It's just the home page that they updated. <laughs> and then the home page with the drop down on the side with the three, um, lines it's another kind of like ripoff right of youtube but they're blue like every other major social media network have you noticed that like skype twitter facebook i like blue so i'm okay with it but yeah no yeah. that no see now now if i go to dailymotion.com it just looks normal again i don't know how you just got that like what did you say that made me get the new version for a second dailymotion.com slash us no, it's it now. It looks like the old one again, doesn't it? I don't even know what the old one looks like to know. Oh well, yeah, so. you you weren't using daily motion before, <laughs> but yeah, no. I'm not a heavy uh, daily motion. I am pretty pissed because I was like, oh, Raviolin says daily motion is blocked in Russia. Here, Raviolin, let us let us show you what this looks like. I am. This is nerd in the street, like breaking boundaries over here. We're showing Raviolin in the chat what daily motion looks like. So here's what it looks like. It's pretty crappy. Looks like YouTube, except a lot more banner ads. Uh, now I've got ad block on right now. I've ad block, so I didn't yeah. notice that. But. Uh, but if I go to dailymotion.com slash nerd on the street, this is an archive of all our videos, and it is monetized. Do you know Dailymotion paid us before YouTube ever did? Like, we got our first payment from Dailymotion. Then YouTube started paying us every two months, and Dailymotion never paid us again. So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Um, Did you have like one breakthrough video? Because I noticed you have like a really high view count overall. On the it channel, wasn't one breakthrough video, but there were a few that were like viewed like lots of thousands of times. And what would happen was, if you look at the analytics, like some clickbait website would put one of our videos up, and then like a ton of people would click on it, and then that would be it. And like it's funny because like displaced, like episode ten has like three, four thousand views. None of the other episodes have more than, like, a dozen on Daily Motion. Um, <laughs> like, one of our Minecraft videos we did, like, our Let's Plays had, like, 30,000 views, but it was, like, episode 7. None of the other ones had a whole lot. So that was what would happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, this, is what, this is what it looks like, Rebellion. And, yeah, I was, like, I was actually excited. I was counting down the days to the new Daily Motion. I'm like, man, it's really gone downhill, but they're bringing it back. It's going to be a big thing. Finally going to compete with YouTube. They're going to bring YouTube down. Because I'm getting pissed at YouTube over here, you know. Um, but then, yeah, I click on one of these videos again. And I'm not signed in right now. Um, oh, boy. And notice how it's 144p automatically. Now it went up to something higher. But, yeah, horrible bandwidth. Let me turn off, Raviola, let me turn off ad blocker so you can get the actual... See, it blocked. 41% of this page was blocked by the ad blocker. 41%. That's how many ads are on Daily Motion. So, Raviolan, this is what Daily Motion looks like when you're watching. So, that's how you made so much money. <laughs> right. Look at all of these. These are all ads here. This is ads. This is ads. These are ads. All right. Ads. Oh, ads. A little lower. Ads. No, 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 ads. No. Ads. All right, that's good. And then at the bottom here, I think that's at good. the bottom, oh, that's more ads. Okay. More Hello. ads. Um, it's just auto scrolling ads. The spot. I, I can't say I'm John Ryan. And then I'm, I'm talking louder because. <laughs> I'm Jacob Kaufman and welcome to On the Spot. Here, I'm going to mute this tab. All right. So, oh I'm not yelling at here. No, there's an ad at the bottom right, an ad at the bottom left. And then we get to the bottom here of the screen where's the comments section and this is the problem with daily motion this is actually just loading more ads the more 
the further <laughs> yeah, into the comment section. <laughs> right here we go. So, so this is a banner ad at the bottom. But see, like there's ads on the side up here. There's one, two, three ads. There's like a side ad, and then there's another side ad. This is ridiculous, Daily Motion. What are you doing? This is so bad. I tweeted at them when it first started getting really bad. Like, hey, you guys, have you noticed how bad it's getting? And then they didn't, you know, their Twitter account didn't respond. Man, where is the comments? Oh my gosh, the amount of ads when you're like on the watch page. What the heck? It's ridiculous, but these are all ads, but I don't see the comment section anywhere. So either it's not loaded yet because of all the ads, or, <laughs> or we can't see it because we're not signed in. Now let me sign in. It just never stops loading so, ads. It's so bad. No, let me uh, let me sign in here, and we'll actually see if we can find the comments. But no, yeah, they were talking about this big redesign. They redesigned the app, but yeah, the player was not redesigned at all. All right, so here's what it looks like. Oh my gosh, it just never stops. I don't think it ever stops. I don't really want to have to see any more of these ads. So yeah, no, they're not even good ads. Like YouTube has relevant ads. Daily Motion, all clickbait, all clickbait. All right, I'm signed in now. Let me go to this one more time, and we'll see if we could find those comments. I will never make my sites like this. That's awful. <laughs> I think about two ads is enough. Raviolin <laughs> says that ad means awful. hell in Russian. So that is ironic. Uh, where is... I know there's a comment section somewhere. Someone needs to invent, like, a, or write a plug-in or a stylish script that just makes Daily Motion actually look good. <laughs> They've written it. It's called uBlock Origin. And I'm going to turn it on right now. It's just so bad. Like, it didn't used to be that bad is the thing. Like, when I signed up for Daily Motion, it was like, all right. Uh, yeah, what's it at now? It's, yeah, blocking about 41% again. I don't even... Where are the comments Daily on this? Do, do I not have comments enabled on this thing? Did they remove comments with their update? They, that's that's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, no, no. Let me go to... Let me go to one I know there are some... YouTube again. <laughs> yeah, everyone always complains about YouTube ads, so we innovated. Um, let me see here. I know it's like Twitter, where going to old things is just really difficult too. But um, you know, I know there used to be comment sections because I used to get spam all the time, and I had to report them. <laughs> but if we if we go back here. Let's go to an older video that I know we had ads enabled on. So I just realized I never retweeted your tweet, but... <laughs> you gotta re That's why we didn't have any Not viewers. It's have any all active. your fault, yeah. Richard. <laughs> Not that I have Not any active fault. Twitter Alright. So. Um, one of the first videos we put on... Alright. Did you see that auto-complete? <laughs> one of the... Let me try this other search box. So Daily Motion. Right, YouTube alternatives. I got comments on this video from people who were with me when I when we made our Daily Motion channel back in d February 2014. Um, I was like, "Hey guys, here's some YouTube alternatives." People commented saying, "Hey, you're right. Let's get rid of YouTube." Yeah, they actually removed comments. There's no comments anymore on DailyMotion.com. Is there an article? And Daily the, you know the reason why this is is because they talked about they don't they're not trying to compete with YouTube anymore they're trying to compete with like Amazon Prime they're like they're trying to make a curated video experience they don't care about independent uploaders anymore they're trying to like curate the experience for viewers like 
pushing professional content toward them. And professional content doesn't have comment sections. So that's why this happened. But I actually... Now I'm even more pissed because they actually removed my comments <laughs> from some of these videos. Ravulant asks, have you tried any other video hosting services? Um, so here's the ones that back in 2014 I found. We had Vimeo. We're going to use Vimeo as our hosting for nerdofthestreet.com eventually once we get to $100 a month um, because we actually need to pay Vimeo, whereas all the other ones pay you. But Daily Motion. Oh, wait, you need to pay Vimeo to host it? Right. Uh, there's Metacafe. Viddler, which got shut down after this video, and Zipcast also got shut down after this video, I believe. Um, like, got shut down or just shut down? Now, Viddler, no, got shut down, like, shortly after. Viddler ended up turning into a professional thing where you need to pay them once again. <laughs> Read the tags I put on this video. And we, we had Daily Motion, Nerd of the Street, Jacob, Kaufman, YouTube. Google bought YouTube. YouTube sucks. YouTube is bad. Vimeo, Metacafe. <laughs> those were those were the ten tags that I put on there back in the day. But yeah, Ravioli, and if you know of any other video hosting services, throw them out. But most of them either charge or they suck worse than Dailymotion. But yeah, I want people to have an alternative to YouTube. Hello, And everyone. see, like, also, we use Dailymotion for archiving. We are streaming to Dailymotion right now. You can see it says live at the top of our page because this stream is going to Dailymotion and then it, it will be recorded privately, and then I'll put it on to the live stream DBR for Nerd Club members on the website. Oh, yeah. We are live. We are live. You forget about that? We're doing no, the stream right now. We're doing the live one. But, no, uh, live one. I'm five minutes thing. left on the Steam OS. Five minutes left. <laughs> Richard is so patient. This is great. We're just hanging out. Hey, I feel like we're having a little talk show now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what it is. Because um, I feel like at the beginning we were just panicking, trying to get ready. So at least I was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were this week. See, like, comment everything. I actually got home like an hour earlier this week, so I was able to highlight my articles, and we also didn't have a whole lot this week. Uh, but I was able to highlight mine in advance, so I was on top of things this week. I've actually started listening to Linux Action News now, though, which I swear I would never do when Linux Action shows. So they shut just down. do news, huh? Yeah, they. So the people who did that just started doing just news. They they switched to a show where it was. Yeah, they switched to a show where it was just news, and I was like, "Screw that! Variety format's not dead. We'll do it ourselves and show them." And you know, we <laughs> we know how far that lasted. But, that lasted eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you count the rant on Snaps variety content. <laughs> well, this this is still more than just news because we're doing more than just news this week. But um, yeah. But it's not like we don't have picks. We don't have runs Linux, we don't have all that stuff, but I still, I was a big fan of Linux Action Show, um, now I'm not watching, like, Ask Noah, like, I'm not watching those kinds of shows on Jupiter Broadcasting, like, I don't know how to, I don't need to know how to open a Word document on Linux, but, <laughs> but yeah, I've started, uh, I'm catching up office. in Linux Action News, I figured if I'm gonna start watching it now, there's only, like, ten episodes out, I might as well start from the beginning, and that way I can say I've watched the entire show. I think I watched one of the videos when they were doing the System 76 thing. Yeah. Because for a while, I was thinking about getting one of the, the lightweight lean to my mm. kind of lightweight laptop. But, I mean, I never had the idea of getting, like, a powerful laptop since I was bringing my desktop with me at college. Yeah. That's, like, still my plan. Although I need to upgrade and move from 8 gig of RAM to 16 gig of RAM. That's my plan. And I also need to replace my 1 terabyte hard drive on Windows with a 2 terabyte hard drive and copy that over. 
Alright, um, Raviolin suggested... What about... Well, basically, the master boot record on my Windows drive now got replaced when, like, Linux installed, or when Linux installed the master boot record and replaced the Windows one and just made a link to it. Mm. So I have to figure out how to somehow fix that. I think I may just have to, like, when I install Linux, like, just unplug the drive cable internally <laughs> so that it doesn't try and... Wait, what's like, the problem? I told it to install the other drive. It basically wrote the, um, what is it called? I can't remember... Because with a G, they're a grub loader, but it yeah, grub mm -hmm. basically it wrote an instance of grub to my um, Windows drive and replaced the master boot record on it with that, right? And that had a link to start Windows, so I can still start up Windows, right? But it's just annoying. no, but that's here's the thing though if you install Linux and then Windows, you know what Windows does, it wipes out your grub and then it just boots right into Windows without asking. So, like, no, uh, that, that is intentional, that when you install Linux after you install Windows, yeah, it gives you the option to boot into whatever you want. Windows doesn't give you, like, a menu um, when you've got Linux. See, like, I just was, I guess my ideal, and, I thought, was it just went touch my drives, and I would just go in my BIOS and change the boot order when I wanted to switch, uh, or just make something that could communicate with the BIOS to change boot orders. Now, all right, well, for one thing, you can select as part of the Linux installation process, which hard drive to install the master boot record to. Um, however, when you... Oh, I never saw that option. When you, when you s select... Say that you put your master... Your boot thing... Say you install Grub to your Linux drive, though, it's still going to recognize Windows is on the other drive and give you the option to boot into it. Um, but then if you boot to the other drive, it'll just go straight into Windows. But what you can do is go into your Grub configuration and you can set it to, like, automatically boot into one or the other. You can also turn the timer down if that's what's annoying about it. You can customize how long it waits. Raviolan suggested vid.me, uh, but he heard it makes viewers pay, which he says makes it even worse, but I would prefer that to me paying, but, you know, nobody's, yeah. nobody's going to pay to watch our I videos. mean, it wasn't Vessel. Vessel was around for a while, and they were kind of doing yeah, the video. Yeah, it's back. not around anymore, is it? Because Brett really wanted no, us... Uh, Verizon uh, bought it, right? Oh, yeah, they did. I, I remember reading about that, yeah. Um, yeah. Brett from our gaming channel really wanted us to get into Vessel back when it was a thing, and I, I kept telling him it's invite only. He's like, ask them for an invite. I'm like, they're not going to give us an invite. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, hey, easy transfer from YouTube, find new fans. I mean, the thing about VidMe is that, like, nobody's patron, I, pa being a patron on us, I don't think anyone's going to... All right, enabling paid subscriptions allows you to support... Currently only available. All right, so paid subscriptions are only available for verified creators. Um, so I let's see, can we upload for free on VidMe? World's most creator-friendly video community. <laughs> That's not a very quantitative description, but we'll see. All right, so they do have they they have ads on their videos, but there's no ad revenue sharing right now. The only way to make money oh. is by doing paid subscriptions. So see if we're gonna like, I don't want to be splitting the bill with somebody. Don't say. Choose to show ads on your videos and earn 70% of all revenue generated. Oh, where's that? Where That's what I'm that? saying. Um, just vid.me front page. Um, first row, far right. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. I'm signing out for this right now. But um, aside <laughs> from that, aside from that, the thing about Vimeo is that you pay them. So here's what I figured out with email, Richard. You know how, like, Gmail is a free email service, but then they, like, track all your crap, Right? Because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> so this AOL's got tons of ads, and Yahoo gets hacked. Like all the free ones have have drawbacks to them. Fastmail. I've been yeah. using Fastmail for years. 
I pay fast mail every year for Nerd on the Streets email. It works beautifully. I I have never had a better email provider than Fastmail. It's faster than Gmail. It's better than Gmail. The web interface is better. The app is better. And they're not looking around at my stuff. One time, I had to contact support because something wouldn't send. They actually had me move it into a folder and name the folder a specific thing so that they could know we're going to access this folder and we won't even see any of your other email because we can only access it when you name a folder this. They, they actually care about you more because you pay them which makes sense if you pay them money yeah. they are obligated to give you a good service they don't have any incentive to screw you over because you're already paying them they don't need to sell to an advertiser they don't need to sell to anyone else so like with vimeo i'm thinking it's the same thing with videos like youtube is incentivized to you know put ads on my videos as long as my videos are making money youtube likes me if my videos don't get ad clicks youtube doesn't care about me um, yeah. Vimeo, I pay them. They're making money whether people are watching or not. But because I'm paying them, I've tested their player. I've uploaded certain Nerd on the Street videos to Vimeo already privately. Their player works a lot better. It's way better download speed for me than, than Dailymotion, definitely, and sometimes even YouTube. And it's a better, cleaner player. Um, they had 4K a lot sooner than Dailymotion did. So yeah, I am, I am excited to do... Vimeo once we get to the point where we can afford it and when we get like it does not cost a hundred dollars a month But I want us to be making some margin of profit, you know yeah. uh, That's why we're not just doing like we could probably afford to do Vimeo pretty soon here But we're not gonna put all their money into it, but if people are gonna start paying to watch our videos, then we'll do that All right um, That's cool. I'm just looking at fast fail now. I'm yeah. tempted now to switch that for like Richard Rich's projects Yeah, what do you use right now? Um, I'm currently, my domain is hosted with GoDaddy still, because I bought okay. that a long time ago. So I'm just using whatever they provide, like it's called Workspace Mail or something. Right. And the weird thing is like the thing to sign in is like secureserver.net, they call it, which yeah. I have no idea how <laughs> they bought that domain and like what that's associated with. Yeah, but. no, I, I actually had a client um, recently, I switched somebody off of a really big IT company here. They had a contract with this IT company that was expiring and I switched them off of that and I'm just managing their stuff now. Um, but they had this company who was saying that they were hosting their email and I did a trace route on the domain and it went to secureserver.net. And I said, uh, you're paying these people $300 a month for email, pay someone else. but they're not hosting it themselves, just so you know, yeah. So. And it's way, way cheaper, I'm sure like, it was not three hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. like, oh like, yeah, I actually get mine for free with my domain. Right. But I would be fine with paying five dollars a month. Yeah. To Fastmail. And what I, I do with Fastmail. The problem is. Yeah. Go ahead. Domains. GoDaddy's like domains prices are really high now compared to like Domain.com and Google Domains and a lot of the alternatives. Are they? Well, no. Here's the thing with GoDaddy is you got to find a coupon every single time you buy anything, right? That's what I did when I used GoDaddy. <laughs> but then. Yeah, but then basically they'll say like it doesn't work if you're renewing something. They they like, won't let you use. The I coupon. found I found renewal coupons once, but then I I use Hover for my domains personally, now, and they are like a couple dollars higher than like Network Solutions, but it, I find they don't upsell me, and they have a really nice control panel. And when I make a change to my DNS on Hover, like it propagates immediately, whereas GoDaddy took a few hours. Domains. How much are they for a .com domain? Then? I think twelve ninety nine, somewhere around there. Because I think, do they give you free um, private registration? Yes, they do. Yeah. Which okay. GoDaddy that's does what, not. That's what 
Yeah, I ended up paying like twenty five a year, whereas like with Google, I was paying like twelve a year. Yeah, I just cheaped out. And I was, I was getting getting to GoDaddy and didn't rooms. have it, but once again, well, gives... I think I ended up getting so much spam to my emails because of that oh, <laughs> that yeah. I was like, I really get constantly, um, whatever it's called, where the where bots just find it, and then give it to people. You just all right. So I've got Steamos downloaded. So now we are going to attempt to install uh, SteamOS, right, in VirtualBox. I believe that's what we're trying to do here. It might so. be a good idea if we set up Jitsu again, so I can or Jitsu, so I can see. Yeah, I guess that's a good idea. Your screens. All right. Uh, I'm doing the mark. Because I'll just kind of be sitting here twiddling my thumbs, wondering what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I shared it on the mark desk link, so you can you can check that GitHub link here. Version two. Let's follow this tutorial that is on SteamCommunity.com. This person probably knows what they're talking about. Um, so Mark, I don't know if you knew this, but we we don't actually. This is not an ISO file. This is a zip file, and we actually need to make our own ISO from the folder. Oh. So that's step one. We are going to extract the Steam OS installer zip file into a folder, and now. I'm going to take that folder, and we cannot use free ISO creator because that's Windows only, but create project file with K3B. Let's see if we can use K3B for this. K3B has frozen. Oh, no, here we go, here we go. It's dialog box. No optical drive found. That's because it's not plugged in right now. Thanks, K3B. Uh, do you want to add hidden files? Yes. All right, and we are adding. All right, looks like K3B is going to do this for us right here, right now. So that would be awesome. I love KDE apps. So simple. Take that, gnome. Um, all right, so we just imported that folder. Gnome's disk utility. Yeah, we just imported that folder into K3B. Now, here's the thing. I don't think we actually want it in this folder here. I think we want it all. No? I think we want it all. Yeah. I'm going to move everything one by one out of this folder and into the disk itself. Boy, if this doesn't work, I will not be surprised. But we'll go ahead and... Can we select the multiple things? Yeah, we can select all these, drag them all, all out there. Okay. Okay, how do we remove a folder? Well, now we've got a folder called nothing. All right. <laughs> well, we'll just call it Steam Old and hopefully it won't mess anything up. So, uh, we are going to make an ISO from this. Edit boot images, boot images. Um, hmm. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Burn. Create image only. So this is going to make an ISO. And then the real question, will it actually run in VirtualBox? Right. Well, the, the first question is, am I doing this ISO creation thing correctly? Because I don't know if I am. Um, yeah, because if it didn't write anything to the boot part of the ISO, right. it's not going to do anything. Which I don't think it did. But we'll see. So now... We've got steam.iso. We can open that with arc. It contains, at least it contains all the right files, as well as a useless folder called steam old. Um, so we'll try opening <laughs> up virtual. I don't have VirtualBox installed. So we'll just uh, go ahead and install it live on stream. sudo pacman s virtualbox. Oh, two providers available. We're going to do two. Because I'm guessing that that means, all right, we're going to do two. We're going to install the host modules for the Arch kernel because that's what we're using, gosh darn it. And 
So VirtualBox is downloading right now. It'll be a minute there. I wish I could see your screen better, but on my end, it's one of six, so it's hard to view. Open it up in OBS and then apply a, a crop filter and crop it down to just the part, because that's what I did with your screen so that I can see it on the stream. So you can do that with my stream, my screen. Don't I actually do have OBS installed in this. There you go. It might be older than the crop filter if it's from 15.10. Oh. I don't know, though. It probably is. Probably not. Yes, I wish to remove all these scenes. And OBS, I think, already crashed. Yeah, it wasn't too stable. <laughs> did that old thing. Windows effect thing. Was not. Did that old Windows effect thing where you drag it around the screen and it just creates oh. all the like color behind it. Yeah, I'm glad we. Gr I'm glad we ported that over to Linux. That's number one feature. Uh, yeah, Raviolin, if you wanted to, I was about to say that if you did want to follow along with us, you probably should have been downloading it when we were screwing around for an hour. Um, because that was what we were doing, was downloading. How big is it? I wonder how fast it would download it. It's like 1.8 gigs. Yeah, I will have a wired connection by next show. Scout's honor, I promise. And I mean, I can't quite promise, but I'm going to hope that I will finally get a legitimate... <laughs> a legitimate what? You cut out. A legitimately recent version of Linux. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something maybe in the last few months. Yeah. Maybe upgrade to 16.04 LTS at the least. But yeah, if you get if you get Antigos or even Manjaro or something, yeah, it'd be great. At this point, I feel like if I'm going to update, I might, or if I'm going to have to do all this work. You keep cutting out. Nope. Stop cutting out so I can hear you. <laughs> oh, it's Discord. If you're going to do all the work. Nuts. If you're going to do all the application work. application Ubuntu. All right. Well, yeah, I figured if I was going to do all the work to back up everything, I might at least try something new. Yeah. Instead of just sticking with Ubuntu. Right. Definitely. What region we're using? Raviolin has an ETA of 19 minutes for downloading that file that I had to stall for 45 minutes while we downloaded it here on stream. Thanks for bragging about it, Raviolin. We are on U.S. Central. Okay, I guess that's closer to you. We are in U.S. Central. On Discord. Oh, yeah, where are you at? What state are you on? You're Virginia. A... Yeah. So I, I would usually use ETA. That's kind of central, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I mean, it's about as far east on the east coast as you get. But. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, the beach is about, like, two hours away from me. Yeah, okay, that would be pretty far east, I guess. Um, yeah, one time we had to switch the Discord to Australia because all of the United States ones stopped working for a bit one day. But then we switched them back. And... Yeah, I mean, our Nerd but, hey, Yeah, when apparently Australia worked better than <laughs> any of the U.S. ones. Uh, NerdOnTheStreet.com is hosted in Atlanta right now, because that is the... Now, DigitalOcean has... Their closest DigitalOcean place is New York, I think, and then there's also one in yeah. San Francisco. Um, but then Linode also has them in Atlanta and Dallas, which I love that Linode has the closer locations to me personally. I can't remember where I put my Linode. I think mine's in Atlanta. Yeah. That would probably I don't be... think they offered... Uh, my original wasn't was when I was on DigitalOcean. I was running my VPS from New York. Yeah. We should probably do that for... So extra... I literally just named it Richard-NYC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should probably do that. Uh, we should probably make a, v a um, yeah, VPN on Linode this year for Extra Life because last year at Extra Life, we had it in... New York, and all of our games were being super slow. Alright, we have VirtualBox installed. And, by the way, Raviolin made a Russia pun in the chat. I didn't make the pun. Raviolin made the pun. 
so blame him, not me. But we do have, and immediately a new version of VirtualBox has been released. That's embarrassing, Arch. I did not update my... I probably should have updated my system before the show today. If I knew I was going to be installing something, I would have. So that is not actually on Arch. But we are going to start up a new virtual machine here. SteamOS Linux. And that is going to be... We're going to call it Debian 64-bit. We'll give it 4 gigs of RAM. Create a virtual hard disk. Try to see if there's a crop filter. Alright. So and how do you apply a filter to a source? How do you apply a filter to it? Richard, how would I know these things? How would I... Um, you would right-click the source and click filters. It doesn't apparently have that, so... Okay, well, no you don't have crop option. filters, then. I would have about the obvious things first. I am continuing here, so we do have our processor. We'll bring that up to two processors. Extended features, uh, enable PAE. Yes, that is required. Um, for this is what I read online. We are going to enable 3D acceleration and our ISO file. Most important thing, documents, SteamOS, steam.iso. And let's see if this works. Starting up, fail to open session. Kernel driver not installed. Last week's was fun to edit because it was I was getting worked up about stuff. And we were talking. This week it's going to be really slow to edit because I'm going to have to cut out all this crap uh, while still keeping some kind of coherent conversation. Arch Linux yeah. VirtualBox. And we had even during the news, we had some problems that we had to, they'll probably have to cut. So it's always great when they hear people talk about the editing during the editing. Or so during the video. Mod probe. I try not to do that trope too much. Uh, VBox drive. How about that? Oh, how about that? I think I fixed it. I think I've been. I think I've used VirtualBox before, and I know some basic troubleshooting skills. Okay, start. Got it. A plus, ten out of ten. So I had to run Mod Probe VBox DRV. Uh, rookie mistake, not doing that. And no bootable medium found. System halted. All right. Uh -oh. So VirtualBox working one hundred percent. SteamOS not quite there yet. We're gonna keep working on it. Or the fact that. Or the fact that we didn't write it to the ISO properly. No, that's what I mean. I'm still still working on the ISO. Yeah. Are you kidding me? There is a Steam OS ISO available for download. So, I don't think uh, I can wait another hour. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know how... They're, they're, they're not updated. <sighs> All right. Yeah, we're not waiting for that file to download. Okay. Any other... Any backup, uh, backup feature? Um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we can have a montage of us talking for an hour while we're waiting for that to download. But me and Richard have been streaming for two hours and 20 minutes now, and I actually don't have work tomorrow, which I'm very excited about because um, I did have work today. But I didn't break down crying today like I did last week. Huh? Eight minutes to download a 1.8 gig SteamOS DVD. For you? Yeah. Well, here, why don't I put it onto your screen? Do you have VirtualBox installed, Richard? Um, let me check. Probably not on this one. Well, if you yeah, don't, don't, then that's not going to help us. Oh, no, it's that. going up. Now it's 37. 34. Right. I want to thank really everyone fast. for tuning in this week. I know we didn't have a big feature this week, but we had some news, and we talked about some miscellaneous things after the Nerd Club ad that was totally in the middle and not at the end of the show. So thanks, everyone, for watching. 
And if you have suggestions on topics we can talk about, leave them at the forums at nerdofthestreet.com. rr.nots.co will bring you right there. Or leave them down in the comments below on YouTube or Vidme, our new Vidme channel that we will have by the time this video is uploaded, maybe. Um, I'll have to read the actual terms and conditions for that website. But yeah, hey Richard, thanks for showing up this week. Always a pleasure to make videos with you. Are you still good to do an episode next week? Um, I should be, hopefully, if my wisdom teeth are not going to be too much of a pain oh. getting them out Monday, but it should be a fairly oh. long time from okay. Saturday. Well, so we'll, we'll see yeah. there. If Richard's not here next week, yeah. now you know why. Um, so yeah, thanks a bunch for showing up, Richard. Where should people go if they want to find more of you throughout the week, by the way? So um, you can fan. check my. You can follow my Twitter at glorif22, or you can check out my website richardsprojects.net. All right, and that's about it. And yep, you can find more of me at nerdofthestreet.com. That's also where you can find other Nerd of the Street content. Big thanks to Ravioleman in the chat room for showing up this week. Always great to see live viewers. We're over at live.nots.co. We tweet at knots underscore network when we're going to be streaming, so that's where you know when to show up. For now, though, that's everything we had planned for this week and a little bit more. So I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm Richard Bimmer. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.